Well, our readings this weekend, especially that first reading in our gospel passage, speak to us about making disciples. Elijah is making a disciple, isn't he? God asked him and said, go and anoint Elisha as prophet to succeed you. Go and make him your disciple. He's going to follow you and become even greater than you. And in our gospel, we see Jesus again encountering various people along the way, and he's trying to make some disciples. And they're being a little bit difficult with him, aren't they? They're saying things like, all right, Lord, I'll be your disciple, but first let me go bury my father, which might take many years, by the way. Or I need to go and say goodbye to my family first. Let me finish some stuff up, and then I'll be ready to come and follow you. And Jesus replies very bluntly, nope, you can't do that. You got to drop everything now. Now's your chance. I want to make you a disciple now, not later. What do you say? What's your choice? But my question for all of us this morning, and I include myself in this question very much so, is this. Are we making disciples? Is that actually happening? Are we doing that? Are you, in your daily life, whoever you are and, and whatever kind of people you encounter on a daily basis, are you trying to make real disciples? And I don't mean some sort of vague and amorphous process. We can hear, are you making disciples, and we can begin to start to think, oh, well, that just means that I need to be really nice and I need to be a generous person, and I need to be basically good, and, and maybe vaguely somehow, somewhere down the road, someone will see that and say, oh, that person follows Jesus, and so maybe I should. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is, are you intentionally listening to God and listening for that voice that Elijah heard? Go and anoint that person. Go and make that person your disciple. Are you actively picking people in your life, investing in them, that they may become disciples? That is a really important question for us to ask. Because if we aren't doing that, then something essential is missing from our Christian life. If we're not living life with people in view of making them true disciples of the Lord, then we're missing out. We're missing out on one of the greatest joys of being Christian. And ultimately, we're not actually doing what Jesus asked us to do, very specifically. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That was the great commission that Jesus gave to each and every one of us. I read a book once called Made for Mission. It's a very challenging book. It's just a short read, but it's very challenging. And it's all about how we can help renew our parish culture to become more missionary, more outward-looking, a parish that really does make disciples. And at one point, the author says this, and it's kind of, it's a little striking. He says this, The real crisis in the church is not the priest shortage. Wow, that's the, that's the thing that we hear most of all, right? Priests, there aren't enough of us. Okay, it's not that. It's not dipping donations. We don't really need money, I mean, in the long run. Or even the low percentage of Catholics. That's not the problem either. That's not the crisis. 
He says these are just symptoms of a deeper cultural problem. It's a deeper problem. The crisis in the church, he says, is our, my, pervasive failure over multiple generations to form disciples. I don't know about you, but that was never really well communicated to me when I was growing up in the church. Basically, what I managed to gather from all of my time in catechism class was that I basically needed to just know certain things about God and about my religion in order to get the next sacrament. It's kind of what it, what it seemed like the game was. And I never heard that it was my actual personal mission, the mission of every regular Catholic in every pew around the world, to go out there and actively help shape and form the next generation of Christians, to, to help form other disciples of Jesus, to do what the prophet Elijah did, what Jesus is doing in our gospel. Elijah heard the Lord's voice, quietly prompting him, hey, go over there and pick that guy who's plowing his field. His name's Elisha. Make him your disciple. Invite him to surrender his life to me. And thank God Elijah listened to the Lord's voice. Thank God he took that risk to go and make a disciple to ask Elisha to let go of everything, to slaughter his oxen, to burn his cart, to, to let go of that plow that was his livelihood, and to surrender everything to the living God. So how can we start doing this? How can we start actively making disciples as Jesus has asked us to do, as he's empowering us to do by the, the Holy Spirit living in us? Well, thankfully, there are a lot of groups in the church today trying to answer that question right now. One of them is an organization called FOCUS. Has anybody heard of this before? FOCUS, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So FOCUS, their, their mission is to send missionaries, young men and women, onto college campuses all throughout the United States and maybe other parts of the world. I don't really know. But they send these missionaries onto campuses in order to make disciples, in order to, to invite people into that life with the Lord. And they boil down their basic process into three little steps, three simple steps. They, they seem simple, but they're not easy, right? It's, it's never easy to make a disciple of the Lord. It takes time, it takes prayer, it takes fasting and sacrifice, and ultimately, it is not our effort that makes a disciple. It's always a gift of grace from God. But even so, I think these three little steps that I'll share with you in just a moment are really helpful for better understanding what it looks like practically to make disciples. The steps are win, build, and then send. Okay, so the first step, win. We might hear that and it might bring up all sorts of connotations of like, winning people over, right, and convincing them that you should be Christian, come to church, through like kind of argument or, or persuasion or, or some sort of salesmanship. But that's not what I mean, and that's not what this, this organization means when they say that we're supposed to go out there and win people. What it means to win someone simply boils down to becoming their friend, becoming their authentic friend, 
it means building a normal relationship with someone. It's not that they're your project. It's not that you're making friends with someone just because of some sort of ulterior motive that you just want them to convert. No, even though that's what you want ultimately, but no, you are entering into a deeper and more intimate relationship with someone simply because they're another human being and they also are made for perfect relationship with God. And so you want to know that person, don't you? You want to share life with that person, someone you can have coffee with, someone that you can invite to your family dinner table, someone you can just hang out with. Curtis Martin, founder of Focus, said that it's basically like this. To make a disciple, you just need to gather a few people around you. Just a few, not many. Maybe it's just like two people, three people, whatever. And you say to them, hey, you are my friends. And I think that you want to be a saint. And I want to be a saint too. So can we do that together? Can we be saints together? Can we hold each other accountable and move forward together on this journey? Make each other pray. Make each other have these intentional conversations about what matters most. Let's do this with God together. That's been one of the greatest joys of my priesthood during the two years that I've spent at St. Andrews. It's been one of my primary goals to just get to know some of you. It, it was obviously not possible for me to get to know all of you. There's many of you and only one of me. But I did want to get into at least some parishioners' lives in a meaningful way, to become friends. Because that's what Jesus teaches us. He just wants to be with his people. When he invites those would-be disciples to follow him in our gospel this weekend, telling them really intense, radical things like, let the dead bury their dead, and foxes have dens, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's intense. That sounds scary. He's raising the bar. He's giving you the, the, the truth about what the cost of discipleship really is. It is a total sacrifice of everything. But he's not saying, hey, you got to do this by yourself. He says, I'm going to be walking with you. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm, I want to be in relationship with you. And together, we're going to go to a place you never thought possible. And that brings me to the second step of making a disciple. Build. So you got win, and now you got build. Building someone is when we help form that person in the faith. I know that when I started getting more into my faith right after college, I still had all sorts of misconceptions about what it meant to be Christian. I had all sorts of beliefs in my head and in my heart that did not jive with the Catholic faith. I needed formation. I needed to be first kind of broken down and then built up. I needed to be built. And building a disciple involves equipping that person with the knowledge and the resources and the virtues that they need in order to really follow the Lord, to really follow Jesus, to live in the Spirit, as St. Paul talks about in our second reading today. For freedom Christ has set us free. Okay, if that's true, then we need formation. We need to be built in order to actually walk in that freedom. And that takes time, 
And in a certain sense, we're never quite finished being built, are we? No, it's, it's a lifelong process of becoming more and more like the Master, more and more like Jesus. And we're always learning to be better disciples. But here's the third step, because we can't get stuck there. We can't keep just learning forever, right? We need the third step of making a disciple, which is sent, right? Sent. Once you become friends with someone, once they have been won over to the beauty of the Lord and his teachings, and once you've helped build them up in the faith and, and equipped them, they, they have a better grasp on what it means to follow Jesus. Now they're all in, right? Now they've said, yes, I'm going to slaughter my oxen, I'm going to burn my cart, and I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now what do they do? Do they just come to church and sit in the pew forever until the day they die? Is that it? Is that the end of the story? Good, we made a Catholic. No, of course not. Now we have to send them. Now we have to send them. We make disciples so that they can go out there and do likewise. We form disciples who just have it in their bones to get out there and gather another group of a few people and become friends with them and invite them into discipleship. We send them out on mission. Now I could go on and on and on and on about making disciples, obviously, but at this point, if you're feeling sort of overwhelmed, I just want to say, I know you can do this. You've been baptized for this. God's grace is at work in you. And besides, and this will be the last point, you have someone very good at disciple-making on your side. And her name is Mary. Mary is the best disciple-maker. She's the best disciple, first of all. She's immaculate. She's perfect. She's a beautiful disciple of the Lord. The best Catholic. But she's also the best disciple-maker. She's the best Catholic-maker. And so, as my last act of preaching here at St. Andrews, I want to impress one thing with you guys. Become a disciple like Mary, and then you will start making disciples. Become more like her, and you will become more like her son.